When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittman over the halfway line, going direct here, Pittman, going through everybody, what a goal this would be, what a goal that is from Brett Pittman, and that is surely the icing on the cake, he picked it up on the halfway line, he ran, he ran, and he put it into the net, the Terry's fans go wild, it is Hello and welcome to the latest in the lockdown interviews. Hope you've been enjoying our interview so far. If you're loving what we're doing, you're welcome to support us by buying us a coffee. Just go to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee to show your appreciation. If you can't do that, well, we'd appreciate a review on your podcast app. It's for free. Just hit the review section and why not give us a few stars? We'd really appreciate it. So who's coming up on today's show? Well, we're joined by Brett Pittman as we discuss his career at AFC Bournemouth. On the pitch, he's been through it all with promotions, relegations, medals and more. And off the pitch, well, the club was a bit tasty too. Brett discusses his time at an evolving Cherries, his other stints at Ipswich and Bristol City, as well as his current spell at Portsmouth. In this interview, it's myself, Sam Davis, Jeff Hayward and Tom Jordan. Enjoy. Brett Pittman, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Um, that was a superb goal. I'm sure that we'll talk about many that you scored during the next hour or so. Uh, with me, of course, we've got Jeff Hayward as well. Jeff, how are you? Yeah, really good, Sam. Thanks, thanks very much for having me back. No worries at all. And also, influencer, North Stand, season ticket holder, and general nice guy, Tom Jordan. How are you, Tom? Yeah, I'm good, Sam. Cheers for that intro. That was very nice of you. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, the Fiverr. Hopefully, it's going to be in the post for me, Tom. Eh? Um, so, Brett, um, you joined Bournemouth at the age of 16 or so, I think in 2004, following in the footsteps of people like Graham Rousseau, who crossed the channel. Um, I think you scored four goals for the island's under-18 team against AFC Bournemouth, which sort of pricked up the ears of uh, club staff here. And then you joined us playing under in the youth team under Eddie Howe, but you quickly made the transition to the first team. Um, did it feel like a, a big step up to be playing with grown men so quickly? Um, maybe to a point, I think. But in them days, there we had the reserve... Um, reserve team we actually played in the league so I played quite a lot of games for them and back then it was if you weren't playing for the first team you you, you kind of come down so people like Neil Young used to play sometimes and it was great to get experience playing with people like that. Mm, Yeah good stuff Jeff. And you started off uh, on the bench a a few times during your first season didn't you Brett but then you suddenly got some more starts. And, and to Bournemouth fans, I think we all saw your, your natural goal-scoring talent pretty quickly. Um, 
You also, I mean, you seem to have a lot of hunger uh, for goals as well, which which was evident. And there was an infamous incident with uh, Max Gradle about taking a penalty. What was that all about? Yeah, I think I was probably the one meant to be taking it. Um, Max got the ball, and Max can be quite stubborn when when he wants to do something. So <laughs> um, we are both we are both young, both had good intentions, and it probably didn't look great at the time. But I think it was both good intentions that worked out badly. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that penalty incident, Tom? Yeah, I do remember it now. I think um, it was probably a bit over the top how much it was uh, made of it. But um, the, end of the, the ball went in the back of the net. That's all that matters. But um, yeah, I did think it was weird at the time because I thought, just assume Brett would take it. And then uh, for some reason, Max just seemed very evident that he wanted it. So, But what, if the ball goes in the net, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, does it? No, that's right. And I mean, Brett, as a as a striker that's supposed to be taking that penalty and seeing your fellow teammate taking it, obviously you want him to score for the team, but is there an element of it being a bit of a win-win situation for you? I.e. if he scores great. And if he misses, well, you can sort of say, I told you so. <laughs> no, I think you, do, you, when the decision actually finally gets made, I think you just want him to score. I can't actually even remember who we were playing against that day, but no. obviously you, you want him to score and, and you want to win the game. That's the main thing. Yeah. On the on the back of that, Brett, which which of your teammates over your career has given you probably the hardest time for being a striker, probably when you're going through a fallow period, but also who's been your greatest supporter, would you say? Um, there's been a few. I think my greatest support, I think Warren Cummins when I was when I was coming through as a young lad, um, he was obviously the, the main joker in the in the dressing room, but he kind of took me under his wing to a point looked after me and we're still very good friends now so he he probably looked after me the most um James Hayter was another one he he's a man of very few words but when he did speak to you he he was you listened and he helped me also Mm, good stuff throughout the show Brett uh, we're going to be showing some comments from people that are watching live on the screen so if you see sort of text you don't have to comment on it or whatever but um, it's quite interesting to get the reaction and loads of people are absolutely loving having you here so in in 2008 I mean you were as you were finding your feet playing league one football you scored goals I think in in league one initially um, and th- so things were going all right for you football wise but off the pitch Obviously, the financial situation at the club wasn't the greatest. When you joined, there was the whole sale and lease back of the stadium. And then these kind of financial issues then start to affect what was happening on the pitch in terms of getting that 10-point deduction. And then the following seven, uh, season, minus 17. Um, what What's it like to play under such a cloud? I mean, does it provide you with more motivation or anything? Not so much more motivation. I think I was very young at the time and probably didn't realise the 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 situation to be honest. Um with lads older than me would have had families, mortgages to pay. At the time I was living probably in digs or or with one of the other lads paying them rent and, and that was probably my only outgoing. Um so you quickly just focus on football in that in that scenario for myself, but obviously the other lads it was probably much deeper than that and a much a bigger problem mm. Tom um, in terms of uh, playing partners uh, you know Brett Pittman who's the player that you most you know remember playing alongside him because for me it's the big one 
yeah, it's got to be the big man. Like I say, that um, that great escape season, particularly when obviously when he come back, um, you know, I thought, yeah, Brett's goals. At the end of the day, without Brett's goals, we wouldn't have stood a chance. But when the big and come back, that that partnership they had seemed to just form straight away. And um, I think what was what was evident as well when we go on about you know kind of a bit more recently when Brett was with the club, I think his roles kind of changed where he was just a natural goal scorer. He's always been a goal scorer, but someone that kind of flex played off him. And then further along, he was ended up playing off Callum Wilson. So um shows that, you know, Brett can do a bit of everything when he's up, up top. But yeah, I would probably say the big one's the one that stands out the most. I think probably it's tough. We've had a lot of good ones. It's probably my favourite ever partnership, I would say, is, um, is Brett and the big man, definitely. Mm. And when he did return, what did he, what did he bring to the dressing room? He brought an ex- an experience, a leadership. Um, he would take problems on himself and maybe try and deal with them himself. He he just brought probably just a I would say an overall experience and a bit of a focal point for for the lads to to bounce off really. Mm, I can presume there was a fair bit of banter in the ch- in the um like in the change room when he was about was there. Yeah, mostly was aimed at him, to be honest. He used to get absolutely <laughs> tortured by the lads. <laughs> I love it, Jeff. So, um, Brett, one of the difficult games that you had was the, the Blythe Spartans game. Um, we've had a couple of questions about that, the the red card. And Patrick Sullivan asked whether you thought that meant the end for your AFCB career at the time. And, and also was interested to know how you turned it around so quickly. What are your recollections of that experience? Yeah, it wasn't a very good night for myself personally, and, and obviously the team. Um, I just come on. And tr- I tried to I tried to block block the long ball forward, and I caught the lad. Probably was it a red card? I'm not overly sure. Um, and how do you turn it around so quickly? I think Eddie coming in was was massive. He he come in not long after. I think maybe two two games after, and that that was huge because under Jimmy Quinn. I probably wouldn't have had any other any future left at Bournemouth, um, along with probably a few other lads. I would have thought. Mm, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll uh, speak sort of more about Eddie. I mean, how did the coach journey feel after that? Because we had a we had a message from uh, Steve the Pirate sixty five who said, uh, you know, who asked that, and he said he he had to admit that he was a bit worried for you after that one. But uh, you know, he's so glad that you bounced back. Are they are they sort of long journeys home when you've either lost or sort of done wrong in the game? Yeah, of course. It, it it was a long journey back, and and probably a long few weeks after that, really, because obviously you're, I was suspended, so you can't you can't put it right. And it it wasn't nice. It, I was only young at the time, and probably didn't really know how to deal with it that well. But luckily, like I said, it wasn't too far after that Eddie came back, and I just remember jogging around on his first session. He he pulled me whilst the lads were jogging and said. Look, don't worry about what happened at Blythe Barnes. You're going to play for me, and that's it. Mm. And and that was it. It was the line was drawn under it, and nothing ever got mentioned about it again. One of my favourite goals that you scored in the emphatic response was away against Exeter. Um, I think you picked up the ball outside our own penalty box and then beat what five players and then beat them all again and then scored. <laughs> so, do, do you remember much about that goal? I do. I was lucky to still be on the pitch because I nearly got taken off at half-time because I was that bad <laughs> in the first half. I think I got the, you got 10 minutes to liven up or you're off, which I got quite regularly, to be honest, from Eddie. So 
Um, luckily, I did liven up a little bit. Um, I think Danny scored the equaliser, and then obviously I scored that goal, which had a little bit of luck and a little bit of everything really, and then managed to score a second late on in the game to to win three one. Uh, Tom, do you remember that goal? Yeah, big time. It was a massive goal, wasn't it? I mean, I think that goal was another example of obviously we're going to talk about plenty of great goals. The amount I've never been in the crowd so much where I thought Brett pass it, Brett don't shoot. And then it goes in. The amount of time I've never had it with a certain player before where just you think he can't keep going. You've got to let off. And it was absolutely brilliant. It was If you put that one next to the Fulham one, which I'm sure we'll talk about, so many similarities to it. It's, it's brilliant. To be able to do it twice. Fantastic. Well, that's what I want to go on to talk about because you did a, a video with like AFCB TV or whatever it was called at the time, Cherry's Player, where you're on the pitch in the like five different you know positions you had a cone down where you you know struck the ball from i think one of your strikes was shrewsbury away which i've got to thank you for because i put a one pound bet on you scoring first and bournemouth winning three nil and that got me like 96 quid so i was well happy with that thank you brett um <laughs> no hashtag thank you brett yeah um but yeah that was a cracking goal but also um you know that strike at home as we just said um saying off air burton albion 86th minute you were way out um and it was audacious. I mean, can you talk us through that? I mean, did you? I mean, obviously, you must have seen that there was a slight chance with the keeper off his line. But I mean, you hit it well. <laughs> I'll be honest. I had the hump because I'd been put out onto the left wing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I thought the ball just sat there, and I just thought I'm just going to hit this as hard as I could. And luckily, it went towards the goal. It could have gone anywhere. Um, but yeah, that was the reason I shot from there because. I wasn't particularly happy that I'd been pushed out onto the left wing when we needed a goal, I think, at the time. What what, what gives you greatest pleasure, Brett, beating 10 players and scoring or a 35-yarder in the top corner? Anything. Anything that goes <laughs> in the net, whether it's from two yards or 22 yards, it doesn't really matter. Long, a goal's a goal. Would you say you're quite, I wouldn't say selfish, but would you say you're single-minded when it comes to scoring goals? Yes, I think so. I think you have to be. I think yeah. if you're if you're happy to run through and pass it when you could score and I mean I've I've played with forwards and played with a lot of forwards and currently playing with forwards at the time at now that I read them say in in the in papers and stuff, oh, I'm not bothered about scoring goals. Well that's what you're paid to do. Mm. If you want if we're if I was paid to run around like a marathon runner, then I wouldn't be playing up front. You're paid to score goals as a forward, in my opinion. And if you're not scoring goals, you're not particularly doing your job. But of course, there's you can do other things and other aspects of the game to keep you in. But ultimately, you're going to be judged on scoring goals as a forward. You have to be. Yeah. Would you say, Brett, I'm following on from that, would you say... For example, if you had a, if you felt like you had a really good game and we won two 0 something like that, but you didn't get on the score sheet, would you find the game kind of more pleasing if you didn't have the best of games, but you nicked a goal at the end? Would you find that because, like you were saying, you feel like that's your job? Would you feel like you were always more pleased after a game if you nicked a goal, regardless of your kind of individual performance? Um, I think, if I'm honest, it depends on the situation of the season. Mm. If it's late in the season and you. You've got nothing to play for. Nick and a goal's perfect. Um, but 
no, I was I was always really big on longs. I played well enough to keep my place for the, the week after. Then there's another opportunity to score. So that was always what I aimed to do. Whether I played well to keep my place for the next next week or the next game. Um, and obviously, if you don't play well but you nick a goal, then more than likely you're going to keep your place as well. So both both really, it, it wasn't it was either or, to be honest. Hmm. We um, spoke to Marvin Gart, uh, Bartley and he said that your desire to win was so strong that when we didn't, um, he considered you to be a grumpy guts. And that was his words. Um, do you want to sort of elaborate on your feelings when you feel as though your team sort of hasn't performed or is it, um, you know, down to your individual performance that you sort of, you know, that you go home thinking about and how long does it take you to get over that? No, I think I think it's a team thing more than an individual thing. If you haven't played well, you know yourself. But as a team, if we haven't done what we were meant to do, or we haven't played well, and we've got we've got beat, then I think it's only right to ask questions in the changing room after the game. I think that's right, and then it gets put to bed in the changing room, and then you get back on the bus or back in your car and you go home. And obviously, you think about the result, but come when you come back in Monday morning you don't dwell on it and you move on to the next game. Mm. Uh, Jeff, what do you remember about that Burton Albion uh, match that that uh, clinched promotion because there were thousands that ran onto the pitch and they were great hosts, weren't they? I mean, I think I read somewhere, Brett, that that is your favourite ever game, isn't it? Is, is that still the case? Because that was must have been an amazing experience to play in that promotion-winning game. It's certainly up there, yeah. I think that one, obviously the Carlisle one at home and and the Bolton one, for for different reasons. Obviously, I didn't play a full part in the Bolton one. I, I come on with twenty minutes to go, but still, for what we achieved over that season, um, it's difficult to pick. I think also the Chester one away was was big mm. um, because I think that was really the result that sealed us staying up, not the one at home the week after. Mm. Yeah, um, the Burton match, I, I, I particularly remember, I, I was so uh, you know fond of it. And you saw just what potential that you, we had got. Um, Tom, like, were you there during that day? Because it was beautiful weather, wasn't it? Um, yeah. you know, not a cloud in the sky, just perfect performance. And they were really good hosts. Everyone ran onto the pitch chanting, you know, Kesara, Sara, whatever we'll be, we'll be, we go to St Mary's and all that, which I look <laughs> back at a bit cringeworthy now that we're actually playing them regularly. But what were your thoughts of that day? Yeah, it was a great, it was a great one that kind of, like you say, it's it feels like kind of the original, if you like. We've obviously, like Brett said, we've had uh, obviously the Carlisle game and Bolton, you know, different promotions since. But um, that felt like the start of something. Um, obviously, we'd, we'd survived the season before and it felt like these group of players and with Eddie back that we could really achieve something. And um, so it felt it felt more than just a, just a promotion to me. It felt like, you know, we, we were really starting to start to build something. And that was, I'm quite, uh, you know, I get quite, quite nervous for a big game I wasn't I can just remember you know feeling like we'd have no problem and that side in league two I just felt we were, we were too good we were too good to be in that league and we were always gonna gonna win and like you say um Burton were great hosts and we kind of have always had a bit of a soft spot from since let us on the pitch and that and uh, that was a nice touch from them definitely it seemed to be that season that got you noticed a lot, Brett, because um, the 2010-2011 season, back in uh, League One at that point in time, Eddie Mitchell was chairman. And before the season had started in August, it was reported by 
Sky Sports News that uh, newly promoted Premier League side Blackpool had made a bid of um, £400,000, possibly rising to six hundred to sign you. But it seems initially Mitchell blocked the news, but then it was announced that it had been accepted, but eventually the move broke down. Can you sort of tell us a bit more about what happened with that? Yeah, I I was I had a medical, I passed the medical. Um, me and my agent walked. I, I always I was already having doubts on to be honest, driving I'd flown to Manchester, been picked up and when I was driving down the seafront in Blackpool to um, have my medical, I was already having doubts, thinking, I'm not really sure this is for me. Mm. This is a long way away from, from what I know, a long way away from my from my now wife's family. Um, the area doesn't look very nice. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I don't think we've got any med- Blackpool fans listening, so you can say what you like, Brett. Hope, yeah, you can not. say what you want. <laughs> um, I laid on the medical table, past the medical. Me and my agent walked into Carl Oyston's office. And as a new signing, you expect to be welcomed, or somebody that's going to sign, to be welcomed and made to feel welcome. He didn't even look up off his chair, didn't get up off his chair, didn't look up from his computer screen. And at that point, I just knew it wasn't for me. Um, we spoke briefly outside. My agent said to them, can you order us a taxi? And then I went back to Manchester because the lads, we were playing Tranmere on the Saturday. And that I think this was the Thursday or the Friday. So I was fully prepared just to drive or get the train to Manchester, from Manchester to Tranmere to to play play for Bournemouth on the Saturday and then it transpired I didn't know anything about it that Bristol City come in in the meantime mm. and uh, Robbie Savage um, said s- uh, something didn't he uh, Jeff yeah I think you got uh, roundly slated for passing up the opportunity Robbie was one of those people who, who had a go at you but any regrets about turning that move down because that would have been a Premier League club at the time and Bristol City obviously weren't so what were your feelings about the the sort of different different clubs? No, no regrets whatsoever. To be honest, it wasn't the club for me. I was I was more than happy to come back to Bournemouth and play play for Bournemouth. I was happy there. We had a good team. I was enjoying myself, um, and it just didn't feel right. I didn't I didn't get a good feeling about it whatsoever. So it it wasn't for me, and absolutely no regret. Mm, good stuff. Well, I hope that answers uh, a few questions there. And also, uh, Kersika on the Vitals Forum as well. Um, no regrets. And it seems to me, Brett, that um, your footballing moves are dictated purely on lifestyle, but footballing reasons rather than, you know, there are players that move for money. And let's be fair, um, there are choices that you could have made with the that could have lined your pockets a lot better. And it seems that that's more of a drive for you rather than the cash in the bank. Yeah, I think so. I think I've never really been driven by money. Obviously, everybody wants to earn as much money doing whatever they can do. But I think there's more to it. I think being happy in in the area, the right, the right team, the right environment, and a big thing for me now, obviously having two children and and a wife was was um for them to be happy. Hmm. 
Yeah. Um, now, before we talk um, about uh, Bristol City, um, I've just got a question here that's come through from Keith Brewer, who uh, you may know, Brett. He said, Brett, can you remember playing cricket as a team building exercise with Eddie at Broadstone Cricket Club? You picked up an old bat out of the pavilion and smashed a six with it. Can you remember that? I can. That was a good good evening. I, I do enjoy cricket. I played a lot when I was younger, so... Um, it wasn't my first time, like unlike some of the other lads. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, Bristol City then, Jeff. Yeah, I was going to say, it must have been uh, different to go to a club like Bristol City who had expectations to play at a high level. And, I mean, the same can be said for Ipswich and, and Portsmouth um, compared to where Bournemouth were at the time, where, where we were a club that were happy to survive at the time where you were playing with them, let alone get to the Premier League. I mean... What's it like playing playing for different size clubs with those levels of expectation? Um, I've never really thought of it like that, to be honest. It, it's I really enjoyed my time at Bristol. It, it's a great club with really good people there. Um, the city is is a lovely city, and I re- I did really enjoy my time there. Um, we probably didn't do as well as what we would have liked to when, in my time there. Um, but it, we was in the championship. It was, it's a tough, tough old league to get out of, and we give a good account of ourselves on in the couple of seasons I was there. But we weren't really nowhere near being good enough to to go anywhere near the promotion p- picture. Tom, would it be fair to say that Brett is one of the players that um, established himself as a hero quite early on? So when certain players move, you always sort of tend to follow their career and see how they're doing now. Um, was he one that you sort of always would glance at the Bristol City result and see if Brett's on the score sheet, etc.? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um, Brett kind of, I think coming through as such a such a young lad, like we mentioned, I think everyone had that that kind of, uh, yeah, that fan's favourite feel, that soft spot. I remember... Um, like I alluded to there, when we got promoted against um, Burton, and I felt like we were building something. I felt that when Brett went, that was a that was a real hit. I remember being absolutely gutted. Just I remember, we, like you say, when the Blackpool one didn't go through, and you're thinking, "Oh yeah, we've got away with that." It was. Um, it felt like we we missed a massive piece of the jigsaw when Brett went. But um, equally, you felt like Brett deserved that opportunity. Um, the goals, you know, the the games and goals ratio was just incredible, and you should, and. Uh, Thoroughly deserved move to Bristol City, and um, I always knew, I always knew he'd carry that on there. Just, I've always felt everyone I spoke to is, you know, whatever team Brett's with, you just always feel like he'll score goals, and that's always been the case. So, um, but yeah, definitely, I've actually, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Bristol City ever since. Really, I think, like you say, when Brett was there, you check it out and you kind of carry it on a little bit, and uh, they're a club that would be quite nice to see if they could uh, pop up to the Premier League at some point. Hmm. I wouldn't put him in the sort of category of sleeping giant, but it's a huge like city, mm. you know, bustling, and you know they are getting towards that stage where like they, you know, that city does, you know, deserve Premier League football. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeff, yeah, and no, I'd agree. I always looked out for you on the score sheet at Bristol City, Brett, partly because uh, I, I thought you were always good enough to play at that sort of higher level, and it was it was really pleasing to see you do so well there. Um, obviously then thrilled to pieces when he came back and it, it sort of, you know, that, that, that made us, I think both Tom and Sam and every Bournemouth fan was thinking this is, this is going to go even better for us. Mm, that's right. So how did that come about then, Brett? If, to be honest, I've been trying to, trying to get back as for, for a few weeks, a few months before really. Um, 
before Eddie came back. And I think when he did come back, I think that kind of sealed it. It was just when we could do it and could everything be agreed with Bristol City, etc. Because I was still in contract and luckily Brist- I went and seen the Bristol City manager in the end. I wasn't, I wasn't playing. I, w- I was on the bench, but I wasn't really playing. I said, look, please just let me go back. I, wa- I want to go back. I'm not, I won't kick up a fuss, but it's something that I'd like to do for me and my family. I'd like to go back to a club that, I, that I've had success at and enjoyed. And he was good enough. And I think within a day or two, I, I was driving back down to Bournemouth. And I do honestly remember driving back and never being so happy. I was delighted to drive back. Hmm. It's um, Tom, we've had a single factor that, lots of people seem to mention about um, the reasons why they join the club and why they love the club. And that's a certain person who's managing the club. Tommy Elphick said the same thing, didn't he? Um, he seems to be a big factor in a lot of players' decisions. Yeah, definitely. You can, um, you can, you can see why as well, you know, because he just seems to get the best out of players. Um, you can see the, I think there's quite, you know, you don't want to go into, you can name so many individuals, but you think of, you know, Simon Francis, Harry Hart, a few players that you thought they're good players. Then Eddie takes over and suddenly you know, the, they probably wouldn't have even believed they could have gone to the level they had. And I think that's clearly, um, I'm sure Brett will agree, that Eddie just seems to get the best out of players. I remember, I think it's it's quite nice thinking when Eddie first joined, one of the first things he done was bring Fletch back. And then when he come back a second time, he brings Brett back. And like I said, yeah. two of the two of our greatest ever strikers. And it's uh, it just shows that Eddie's got that kind of power to bring back. Brett, do you think if Eddie wasn't in charge... Would it have been as appealing, or was it? Was it? I just want to go back to Bournemouth, or was it with Eddie there as well? We can really achieve something as well. Was it kind of a double whammy, really, with Eddie being back? It was definitely attractive before, but when he came back, it was like it's got to happen. Um, that that was all. That was the main thing. I, I had to make it happen, and and luckily it did. How has his uh, management and coaching style changed in your years away? His management, in terms of man management, probably hasn't changed a great deal. Um, his coaching obviously moved on with with time. His time at Burnley, obviously, when when he first took over, we had 12, 13, 14 players. And when we obviously went up to the championship, we had a squad of 25. The sessions evolved massively. His philosophy on how he wanted to play evolved massively. Um, but one thing that never changed with his, was his work ethic and his demand for everybody to work as hard as they possibly can day in, day out, which I think come and showed every Saturday, I think. We, we used to outrun teams pretty much every week, um, but that wasn't coincidence. That was a culmination of hard work throughout the, throughout the week, throughout the season, um, and that's the one thing he always used to say to me, me especially, I don't care what you do, just run, just work as hard as you can. Because if you work as hard as you can, I know you're going to score. And that that was his big thing with me personally. What did you? How did you find um kind of training with Eddie Brett? Just because we've when we spoke to a few other kind of ex players, um, I remember Tommy Elphick saying that since he's left, he says to kind of the players that are still at the club, you don't realise how good the kind of training is with Eddie. Is that without you know kind of digging out any any other clubs, how different is training with Eddie and how Tommy was saying particularly how much more enjoyable it is and how 
kind of meticulous he is with with training. Is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you, they don't know how lucky they are. Um, <laughs> people from the outside just would think what he does is is a given, and it's far from it. Trust me. It, his his training, like you said, it, how methodical he is. His demand to for people to work hard how he plans his sessions, how he wants everybody to improve, whether you're in the team, out of the team, young, old. He just wants everybody to improve every day. Um, and that, weirdly, a lot of managers don't do, which I, I find very strange. With 19 goals in that 26 games that you played in that season, we got promotion straight away. Did you did you have a feeling that you were at your peak in that season, or or do you think you were even better in the championship? I don't think I was far off. I think probably the second season in the championship, the season we went up, was probably when I was at my best, my fittest. I think that first season in the championship, I I hurt my hamstring against Real Madrid, and it kind of wasn't a bad injury, but it took me a while to get back properly fit and by the time I was back fit the team was established and I struggled to I struggled really to get to get back in the team and then really struggled to get my head around going from the main man scoring every week to, to not play and I struggled badly I think looking back without really realising it at the time um, and that summer was a big big make or break for me really um, I went away I worked really really hard to get as fit as I could um, and came back, had to wait for my chance and just luckily for me and obviously unluckily for Jan, he got sent off at Bolton and I got my chance and then kind of scored a couple of goals against Reading then scored in our 8-0 win at Birmingham. And then that was kind of, it was kind of me or Jan instead of it was Jan to start with and I would be behind him. It kind of evolved into it. Either of us could play depending on which game and, and what the scenario was. Did you find the whole rotation thing with Jan quite frustrating as a person that's got such hunger in the game? No, not not really, to be honest, because I can accept playing if I'm not playing because the person who is playing in my position is as good or better than me. And Jan was certainly a very good player. So, no. Not yeah. in that instance, but if, if someone was playing in front of me who I thought wasn't as good or didn't do what I did or couldn't score the goals I could score, then yeah, I, I would have been frustrated. But Jan was different because he was so good. Hmm. Tom, obviously in the championship, uh, one season was with Lewis Graben and then Callum Wilson um, with the next one. Um you know, how did you feel during that first season? I mean, I've asked you this before, but for the benefit of anyone new that's watching, that first Premier uh, Championship season, we held our own pretty well, didn't we, finishing 10th? Yeah, 10th was, was amazing. I mean, I, I did genuinely believe we wouldn't be in any sort of relegation scrap. I always felt we were we were too good for that, but I think every Bournemouth fan would have taken 10th. Um, and I, I remember actually, um, with Brett mentioned it there, I remember that first Championship game. I think it was against Charlton. I think you had Kerbergill actually scored for Charlton. Um but I remember being everyone beforehand, got, kind of being in, being in the pub beforehand and going, oh, Brett's out. We haven't got, I think we had Wes Thomas and Graben, I think, started that game. 
But I think I think um, I remember it being really, really key that we couldn't believe we had lost Brett um, for that first game. And yeah, I remember now it was like you say the Real Madrid game. But um, what I was going to ask Brett was when you were talking about kind of the the change in in seasons and your form. Did you was it quite? Did Eddie change your role so to speak? Because I felt like you'd gone from kind of, and I suppose people talk about it as like the n- number nine, kind of the one to put the book, to kind of playing a little bit number 10 role-ish because of, maybe because of Graben or because of Wilson, you almost had to adapt. Did you find that quite easy to just adapt to your game slightly? Yeah, I think, I think from, certainly from the league two season with, when I played up front with Fletch, it was kind of a partnership. It was more, Fletch is obviously going to be right up because he can't run around as much because he, of his age and et cetera, et cetera. And it was almost for me just to play off him and play where, where almost where I wanted really around him. And then when we, when I came back in league one and then the championship, we, we definitely evolved into more of a nine and a 10. Um, and yeah, I, I was certainly seen as a number 10. I think Eddie wanted somebody quick to stretch teams um, as the number nine, so that probably wasn't really my strength. So, number ten, I could, ob- I obviously would like to think I could play, play football and handle the foot, handle the ball. So, um, playing number ten, it it changed my role maybe to a little bit, but not overly really. What was the biggest difference playing with Callum as opposed to playing with Lewis Graben up front? There wasn't a whole lot of difference to to be honest. They both they both did similar things, like to run in behind. Callum was maybe a little bit stronger, could hold the ball up slight slightly better. Um, but they both had great attributes. Both quick, could run in behind. Both could score goals, and and they were both good to play up front with. I think when I came back in League One, I really enjoyed playing up front with Grabs. He 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 was really good for me. Um. Do you remember, this is a question that's been um, submitted um, from Ian. Do you remember the Andrew Sermon goal at Sheffield Wednesday where he lashed the ball after it rebounded? <laughs> you got a smile on your face like we do. And uh, we've actually got a video that's um, from AFCB TV. Um, just to remind people of that Andrew Sermon goal, um, but also the unfortunate rebound incident with Brett straight afterwards. Take a look at this. Wilson gets back on his feet. It was Maguire who was guilty. Wilson's got space now. Edge of the area. Chance maybe for Sermon who places it. And Andrew Sermon breaks the deadlock. What a counter-attack from the Cherries. Wilson, to his credit, was fouled and then got back up on his feet. Kept running. Found Sermon. And he delicately bent one past Kieran Westwood. And after 20 minutes of the second half, the Cherries have edged their noses in front. Sheffield Wednesday nil. Bournemouth one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that uh, that looked a bit a little bit painful. But do you remember that moment? I do. Yeah, I was. I think I was trying to kick it into the crowd just to waste a bit of time, and obviously didn't get it into the crowd. Yeah, it was painful. So standout, uh, standout goal from yourself championship season, probably. Tom, would you say it'd be Fulham away? Fulham, straight away, Fulham comes oh to mind. Oh, my God, what a goal. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. But um, it's probably, I mean, there's a lot of good goals. Obviously, we were talking to Matt Ritchie not long ago and, you know, we are talking about some of the goals he managed to score. But I think, obviously, to do with that night as well, it was a Friday night game. That's probably, I'd say, one of my favourite ever goals to see live. 
because mm. it was just you just thought oh, yeah go on Brett yeah go on let off Brett stop and he just kept going and it was just incredible but like we said earlier you've got in that championship season I think because of how good that goal was you forget I remember there was a there was a nice one against Blackpool there was a there was a few good goals in there but I think it just shows how good that Fulham one was that everyone just says Fulham straight away um, because there were some other good goals in there was that was that your favourite Brett in that season. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, I think, like you say, I think the whole thing, the, the Friday night under lights, just, just on TV, make, makes it feel slightly better than what it, maybe it was. I, I I really did enjoy that goal. Um, and more than anything, it put us 3-0 up and we was always going to win that game in the end once, once we went 3-0 up. I always yeah. feel sorry for Steve Cook because he scored a worldie that game. And people kind of, I bet he thinks, I wish I scored that in another game because everyone remembers Brett's goal. But, you know, Cook, he scored a worldie as well. Yeah. What about that yeah, hat trick you, you scored, Brett, against Blackpool? Because that was a right foot, left foot header, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I don't know how the third one in, went in the keeper. <laughs> yeah. Lost his arms, I think. But, um, yeah, no, obviously it's nice. It's nice to to score a hat trick. It, it, I think I've had three, four maybe in my career. It's not not something that happens very often. So when they do come around, it it, it is very nice. It seems to be that um, I think I, I remember seeing a, an interview with Eddie Howe afterwards, and he said that he, he was encouraging you in training, you know, to run with the ball, and you did that with that Fulham goal, and then yeah, on the following Saturday, like eight days later, you did exactly the same. But um, you know, that was your left foot finish against Blackpool, and that was uh, yeah, absolutely superb hat trick, all in all in the first half as well. I was in the Ted McDougall for that as well, so that was really um, that was yeah, really good, and. Um, as you may have seen, um, flash on screen. Um, Steve Waldridge got in touch to said uh, to say, "Did Messi write to you and ask for your shirt after that?" But if you were if you were to compare the Exeter and Fulham goals, HBA one got in touch and said they were vital goals. But what was your favourite one out of those two? If you had to weigh them up, tricky. Oh, I don't know. It's it's tough. I think. <laughs> If you take the leagues out and the opposition out of them, I would probably say the Exeter one just. But mm. if you factor in the leagues and the opposition, then the Fulham one. So it's it's tough. Mm. I'd say all these all these amazing goals have stopped us to remember. I think it was um, Eddie's first game um, back against the, the game against um, Tramier when they were top of the league. Mm. And uh, was was it the Tramier game where it was that free kick where you smashed Wicker. it from? Wickham, sorry, Wickham, yeah, that's it. Yes. Um, where they were top of the league at the time. And I think we'd we'd gone one nil down, I think, and we won three one or something. And that was kind of a real statement to the league that, you know, despite everything, we could get it with the big boys. That goal was just I mean, what I, there was another moment where I thought he's not gonna hit that. <laughs> and that and you said earlier about kind of having having the hump sometimes and things like that. A few of your goals from far out did kind of feel like you were just taking anger out on the ball. And it just—it felt like you just—it felt like you were going to cross it the whole time, and at the last minute you went, ah, uh, you know what, and just ran up and smashed it at the top corner. That was—that was one of my favourites, actually. Thinking about it as well. Yeah, that one. I think before the free kick, someone had been injured, and it took ages and ages mm. to for the game to restart. And I don't think I was thinking about shooting really, because at that time I was taking corners and free kicks anyway. So. 
I think I might may have even said to someone, it's a bit far to shoot this. And in the end, <laughs> I've decided just to shoot. I just and and luckily I've caught it really nicely and it, and it's flown in the top corner. So yeah, it wasn't the plan all along, to be honest. <laughs> I think that's what marks you out, Brett, as a natural goal scorer. You know, you've got the confidence. And a lot of players wouldn't even dream of hitting it, but you just you just have this amazing self belief. It seems to me that you think you can score from anywhere. Yeah, I've never been. The one thing I've never been bothered about is missing. Um, the thing that bothered me is if I wasn't getting chances, that that used to annoy me or upset me. Um, missing. I could miss five, six chances in a game. If I was getting chances, then I was happy because I know I'd score eventually. Um, that that was my mindset, really, to be honest. Yeah, and you scored um, some, you know, some absolute superb, but, you know, pivotal goals as well. Um, talk to us about the way the championship season concluded because we were playing on the Monday night against Bolton and um, it was Middlesbrough against Fulham and then Fulham pulled a 4-3 result out of the bag, which meant that we could get promoted. Oh, well, effectively on the Monday. What's the build-up like to that match against Bolton at home? I actually got asked this the other day. I I don't really remember much about the build-up. I remember watching the result of Fulham-Middlesbrough I was at Paul Town watching them. Weirdly, I don't because obviously we didn't play on the Saturday, so I went to watch them. Um, but no, I don't really remember anything about the build-up, to, to be honest. And I don't really remember anything about the game, bar the goals. Hmm. I didn't even remember Jan had missed a penalty until someone <laughs> said the other day. Yeah, well, it was re- it was replayed on ACB TV, and you know, you came on as a substitute, and I I could sense your frustration, and this is where the selfish side comes out as a but uh, I, I say selfish you also just want the best person in the best place to score and there was a chance I think that Callum Wilson had had where he just um, skimmed the crossbar in the second half it would have made it 4-0 and he he should have played the ball square to you and you were absolutely livid I mean by that time promotion was in the bag 3-0 up you know 10 minutes to go but you went off at him and you know rightly show but it just shows how much it means to you doesn't it yeah, I think I think you should always try and just because it's three 0 it doesn't mean you can start making decisions and being selfish. I think if someone's in a better position than you, then you should pass it. And I obviously at that point thought he should have passed it. Mm. Yeah, did, that's right. Did you ever get that back from players, Brett, when you didn't pass and miss? Did they ever give you a full volume? Yeah, bit of abuse. Quite a lot. <laughs> quite a lot yeah it's part of the game you 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 take it you give it you move on you argue in the changing room you move on your teammates so I think everyone really just does it because they want to succeed so Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely played in teams where there isn't as much as what we had of that in that team and the team is, is less for it definitely so promotion from League Two to League One, and then League One to the Championship, and then the Championship to the Premier League. Craig asked, "What do you personally feel was the biggest achievement um, in those sides? Um, would it be the Premier League, just because it's the highest point of football, or maybe the adversity of other seasons maybe makes them more special for you?" 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to say. Obviously, going getting promoted to the Premier League, the Championship is notoriously such a tough league to get out of. Um, and there were some good teams up there that, that season. So we we did really well to, to get promoted. Um, the League One season, they were miles off it when Eddie, Eddie took over. And before I came back, they were, they were miles adrift. Mm. of the of the um promotion places mm. so that that's a massive achievement um and the adversity in league 2 having such little numbers um they they're all special in themselves it's difficult to decide which one's which one's better than the other really yeah i mean what goes through your head when you're on the promotion bus and there's like 55 60,000 people waiting there for you at the beach just that make you think god this club's got some kind of potential i remember turning around the corner at boscombe and thinking wow this is ridiculous hmm. um having been on the one from league 1 and league 2 where there was quite a few people but nothing of that magnitude, I thought, you just think, wow, this is crazy. Um, and obviously, the whole buzz of the, the club going to the Premier League um, excited people. And I think the football we are playing in the Championship had to excite people because I, I know it was really exciting to play in. Would it be fair to say that you remember more about that day than someone like Jan Kermigan, who seemed to be <laughs> on the Champions from a very early stage? <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely say so. I think he was in a he was in a he was in a good place, but a place that he probably doesn't remember too much. That's a that's a media trained answer. He was in a good place. I like that. That's superb. <laughs> um Jeff, and then obviously Brett sadly departed. Yeah, I think Eddie said that um he'd spent a long time working with you and it was always gonna to be tough, but uh when he called you into his office and told you that he'd be happy for you to remain as a squad player, but couldn't promise you game time. I mean, that that must have felt difficult for you, I guess. What, what were your feelings? Because it, it, it must have been football meant more to you than necessarily the, the glamour of being part of a Premier League squad. Yeah, I think he came to my house and we, we spoke for a, for a long time. And it was it was obviously a tough decision to, to decide to leave. And, and in hindsight, I probably wish I didn't. Um, wish I would have given it a year, another season, and, and just seen what seen what happened. But I made the decision for the security of my family. To be honest, of yeah. Bournemouth couldn't offer me a new contract at the time. Ipswich were offering me three years, and and that's that they just finished in the playoffs the season before. That was really really why I went. It was a it I. The decision happened quickly, probably more quickly looking back than than what I should have let it happen. To be honest, I should have sat on it and waited for for a few few days or even a week. But it happened, and that that was that. I probably wish it didn't happen. In all honesty, not nothing against Sipswich because I I really enjoyed my time there. But I probably should have given given it another another season and and seen what happened in Bournemouth. 
Mm, and that probably answers the questions that we had submitted um, from Paul Kenwood. Paul, thank you for that. And thanks for your contribution yesterday as well. Um, Danny Beale as well, who said he was very gutted uh, to not um, have seen you play in the championship. Also, um, Phil McGuinness as well. Um, also, uh, thank you very much for Jake for your question as well, which I feel Brett has answered. And Tom, you're convinced that had Brett played in the Premier League for us, he would have notched and probably well, notched yeah. a few. Yeah, no, definitely. Just because Brett's scored goals wherever he's been. Um, it's one of the, there's, there's kind of two, uh, Eddie could do no wrong in my eyes or many former fans. There's kind of two things I would say that Fletch never got to play in the championship and that Brett never got to play in the Premier League. They're things that I just thought, oh, I wish, I wish they could have got that opportunity. I totally, you know, it's nice to hear um, kind of the reason in there from Brett rather than being a squad player and, you know, like you say, the security for your family and things like that. It makes total sense. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Obviously, we ended up going to the Prem and we got quite a few injuries and you're never going to know that. But at the end of the day, I think it's pretty obvious with the injuries we got. Brett would have probably got quite a lot of football um, because we were trying different players out in different positions a lot of the time and had to change things, like you say, because of injuries. And um, I think Brett would have got more minutes than maybe Eddie or himself potentially expected, which is one of them things. But I'm convinced, and I, I know Brett's self-belief, but I'm convinced that um, he would have scored goals, definitely. I think yeah. I'd love to have seen your fearlessness going up to a ball 35 yards out uh, against Manchester City and smacking it in the top corner <laughs> to shut them up. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine that that would have been superb. So summing up your time at AFC Bournemouth then, we'll briefly then uh, go on to talk about uh, what happened after that. Uh, Ipswich, of course, Portsmouth. Um, we had a question that was sent in from David Cordell who asked, what would you say, based on your time at AFC Bournemouth, were Eddie Howe's strengths and his weaknesses as a manager? His main strength, without a doubt, is the will and the hunger to improve everybody as a player. Like I said earlier, how no matter how old you are, whether you're in the team or out the team, he he would he would ring me on a Tuesday night if we've got a Wednesday off, and he would say. Oh, do you want to come in tomorrow and do some finishing? I'll get a goalkeeper, and obviously, I, I would I would always go in, and he he would be there. He'd make sure every single member of his staff was there, and the goalkeeper, and he'd put on a one on one session just just for me, um, to improve me to get better. And there, you would think people people would maybe think that that's normal, and it really really isn't. Um, I've never seen any other managers do it. I've never heard of any other managers doing it. I'm sure there may be a couple, but I've never seen or heard of it. Um, and he wasn't doing it because he thought he had to do it. He was doing it because he wanted to do it. He wanted to make players better because in turn that would make his team better. Um, and that, that that's, his prob- that's his biggest strength, I would say. Mm. And in terms... Yeah, that's right. Well, some sure. people... I'm not in... sure he's got one. <laughs> yeah, you you would say that. Um, well, some people have said that um, sometimes he can be maybe a bit too loyal or a bit too, you know, not very flexible and, you know, going with the players that um, he's tried and trusted for so long. Would, you, would that be something that you agree with? No. I think <laughs> as, a man- as a manager, I can... It takes a lot for you to fully trust a player, and when you get there, you and you know what he can he can hopefully recreate week in week out. 
you, I think it's natural to be loyal to him. Mm. Um, look, if, if he thought there was someone else in the building or whoever it was better for better for the job, then he would play them. He's not playing them just because they've been there a long time. Yeah. Mm. He 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 can be really really ruthless, but he he will just pick his best team for whichever game, and pick his best system for what he thinks is the best way to get a result for the football club. Not because he wants to keep X Y or Z happy because they've been there a long time. He mm. he's not that naive. We had a question in from uh, Super Ali Santos who said, are you gutted to have finished your AFCB career with fewer goals than Steve Fletcher? And was there ever any rivalry between the lads in that respect? No, there was no rivalry, but I'd like to think if I played 800 games, I'd have more, more goals. Than <laughs> oh, I love that. Love that answer. Top answer. Um, <laughs> Out of your first and second spells, just in a in a word, first or second, what which one did you prefer with the cherries? On the spot, I don't know. Both, both. I loved all of it. To be honest, I had tough times at the like. Oh, dropped my phone. No uh, I've had tough times. I had tough times at the start of the um, my first spell, like we spoke about, blow sparns, etc. But I think the tough times make the good times better. And in that squad, I've got mates and made mates that I've got. Coops and um, Was were both, they were both my best men at my wedding. So that mm. shows the kind of, uh, we still go on holiday with Danny and, and Darren, Warren and Sean, Alan, Connell. We're, we're still really good mates. And oh, nice. That, that's my circle of friends now. So that that was a special time, and then obviously the, the um, what we achieved in the second spell, and I'm still good friends with with a lot of them, Charlie, Simon, and our wives now kids are friends as well. So it, I, I really couldn't pick to be honest. It, they were both great times. Moving on to Ipswich, Brett, uh, from Eddie Howe to Mick McCarthy. I mean, he's got to be the grumpiest manager anybody's ever played for, isn't he? <laughs> Do you know what? He's got an unbelievable sense of humour, which you'd be really surprised about. But he is really—he was—he was a really funny bloke. He—he he was a really good bloke, a, a top bloke, to be honest. Oh, good. Um, and I did enjoy playing for him. But going from Eddie to him, the tactics and the training was just chalk and cheese, and it, it's hard to get your head around, to be honest. Yeah, one of my uh, friends is um, is an Ipswich fan. His name's Leaf, and um, he it's it's quite interesting to see what he said about it. And this is what he texted me earlier. He said um, Brett was technically so good, but he was never really used correctly by Mick, in my opinion, as he preferred it lumped up to Murphy. So uh, it seems that we never really played to his strengths. Does that sound about right? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think we had we had some good footballers at Ipswich. McGoldrick, who is obviously now well played for Bournemouth and then now playing at Sheffield United. Um, yeah, I think it was very safe football. There wasn't a lot of coaching. There wasn't a lot of pattern. 
it was very we'll outwork and we'll outfight the opposition and we'll try and get results. Whereas mm. Eddie was was different. He'd try and outthink, out tact, outmaneuver the opposition with how we would play football and how we would defend against them. Mm, very good. And uh, also, uh, it was in an Ipswich newspaper up there. I could cut the East Anglia and something or other. Um, one of the articles said that you, uh, it said Ipswich town striker Brett Pittman admits he has still some work to do controlling his emotions after a poor result, but is not ready to convert, uh, to curb his vocal presence in the dressing room. Um, so I'm glad to know that you still got that hunger, you know, like an Ipswich. And then, of course, it moved on uh, to you moved on to Portsmouth after that, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, what was it like coming back to the South Coast to a, a big club, obviously, in Pompeii? And they made you captain as well, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Coming back was obviously coming to the South Coast was, was a massive attraction for me. I, I wanted to come and live back down here. My, my wife's family live. Um, in between Bournemouth and Portsmouth. So it it was a big attraction for us. Um, and obviously, if I couldn't sign for, for Bournemouth, then Portsmouth was the next best, best option. Do you remember the pre-season friendly, Brett, that you played against uh, Bournemouth for Portsmouth? I, I just, I remember like me and, a, me and a few mates, not going to all the friendlies, but as soon as we saw we had Portsmouth away, oh, we got to go for Brett. Do you remember hearing obviously pre-season friendly there's no like real big atmosphere do you remember hearing Bournemouth fans chanting your name during the game can you remember that yeah I do yeah and obviously it's lovely to hear um I felt really really awkward playing that game to be honest Mm. playing against your well my mates team a team that really that I played in um and probably yeah, I just didn't really feel comfortable at all, really, with the whole whole game. And I was pr- pleased when it was over, to be honest. Mm. Um, and, you know, recently, um, this season, you've been back uh, training at AFC Bournemouth um, with the under-21s. And uh, it's a, it's, a, it's something that you've been smiling about. But also, like someone on the live chat said, from Ben has said, are you, are you going to come back and uh, teach our kids how to score? Now, what he might be referring to are some of the players that perhaps have not hit the ground running. And we also had this from Jim and Nina on one of the forums who said, could he coach confidence and finishing to Dom Solanke? Because, and also, is Jake Scrimshaw the next Brett Pittman? Um, have you been following Dom Solanke? And sort of where do you think it's sort of going wrong for him at the moment? Look, I've, I've watched a lot of Bournemouth games. I've been to as many as I can. Um, and it's t- he's only a young, young lad. I'm, I'm mm. sure once he gets a couple of goals, I think... Hopefully they'll start to flow. I've, from what I've heard from from the lads in training, he's he's very good, and he's a very very hard working lad. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure strikers go through it. Yeah, it's tough. He's 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 moved for a lot of money. He's a young lad. He's moved from Liverpool to Bournemouth. There's a lot of lot that goes on. So it might just take him take him a little bit of time. But I'm sure, and I hope he'll be he'll be a good player for Bournemouth in the future. Well, I was looking at your Instagram, as I said on uh, earlier on messages, and um, there was a video, an Instagram story, uh, story of your son um, scoring a, a a peachy goal into the corner of the net. I mean, what a finish that was! Is that? Would you like him to follow in your footsteps? 
yeah, I think I think every dad would love their son to 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 be a. Sports Social Podcast Network.